Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. I'm excited to be with you guys, and I can't wait to share. But before I get started, I just want to thank Pastor David for his leadership and the opportunity to speak this morning. Would you guys help me just thank him? does such an amazing job of leading and shepherding us. Another thing I'm thankful for this morning is Christmas. Now, I've got to confess something this morning. I am the person that loves Christmas music. In fact, I would be okay with Christmas music being played all year long. Second thing is, I've got to confess that I would actually be okay with Christmas decorations being up all year long. Mostly because I don't want to have to put them up and take them down and put everything back in the attic. And so I actually would like to start a trend and a movement this morning that we can just keep Christmas decorations up all year long. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, see that? Starting something new in my household this year on behalf of the congregation here at First Orlando. Another thing that I really like is Christmas list. So I've got a question this morning. How many of you have received a Christmas list or made a Christmas list this year? It's a lot more fun to, to make a Christmas list than it is to receive a Christmas list, if I can be honest. Um, how many of you have ever made a Christmas list before in your life, right? I think all of us from time to time have made Christmas lists before. In fact, I remember growing up, one of my favorite things to do was make a Christmas list. And making a Christmas list in my family actually was something that started in the month of October. Now, why did it start in the month of October? Because something amazing came in the mail in the month of October. It was delivered to my grandparents' mailbox in October, and all of their grandkids would show up at my grandparents' house to spend some quality time with them and to make a Christmas list because something amazing arrived in the mail that day, which was this, a J.C. Penney's Christmas catalog. <laughs> this thing was amazing. I mean, it had everything in it, and all of their grandkids, we would gather around, we would pick it up, we would take turns making Christmas lists based on what was in it. It was incredible. I remember reading it as a 10-year-old and going, man, they've got camping gear in it, they've got a toaster, that toaster's really cool, they've got space shuttles in it that can take you to the moon. I mean, it had everything in it. It was unbelievable. And this one specific Christmas, I was old enough to figure out exactly how much each individual in my family spent on Christmas. So this was going to be the best Christmas ever because I knew that my aunt over here and my uncle over here spent this amount, my great-grandparents spent this amount, and my grandparents spent this amount on Christmas. And so I actually did what would have been the equivalent today of an Excel spreadsheet. I got out my paper and I began to write down exactly what I wanted from each individual and how much it cost and how it fit into the budget line item that they had on their Christmas budget. So I did all the hard work for everybody. And this was supposed to be the greatest Christmas because I had figured out exactly how to get everything I wanted from each individual. I had it all planned out. I slid every person a list and said, Christmas is easy this year for you. I did the hard work. You don't have to wonder anymore. And then we turned that in 
And then something happens as we begin, um, as I turn that in, there was one thing particular that I really wanted this year for Christmas. And this was going to change everything for me because it was this. Five times the fun. Read this with me. Five in one pool and game table. This was going to be the Christmas gift that changed everything for me. It was five in one, fun in a box. I don't need friends anymore. Just put it in my room, lock my door, and everything's going to change after this moment. And I couldn't wait for this. And so I turned that whole list in, and I can't wait for this moment. And I'm so excited for this very specific moment for Christmas Eve to come, for me to be able to see my plan actually come to pass, for me to be able to see every one of the gifts that I planned out. I didn't struggle with greed or anything actually be given to me. And so I I give that and I drop some reminders throughout the next couple of months. And then we we wait for Christmas Eve, which is when my family exchanges gifts. Um, And while we're waiting there, um, we have Santa come and visit. And so here's a picture of me smiling at the beginning of the night. Look at that beautiful smile there. I want you to hold that in your minds because it doesn't last very long. (laughs) Because what happens is, Um, All of my aunts and uncles give their gifts and everything's going to plan. I mean, I've got the gifts that I asked for. Everything seems to be happening exactly the way that I planned this perfect Christmas. And I don't know if you notice this or not, but where where are the grandparents in the room? Where are the grandparents? You can can raise your hand. You can be proud of it. I don't know if you notice this or not, but at every family um, Christmas gathering when there's gifts exchanged, grandparents actually give their gifts last. And I I have a theory that it's because you know your gifts are better than everybody else's. (laughs) And so in my family, we've got to wait till like the very end for the grandparents to give their gifts. And so all of the anticipation is building up inside of me because I can't wait for the five in one. I don't need fun. I don't need friends anymore. It's going to be absolutely incredible. And I get this gift from my grandparents when I open it up. That's actually this Air Force fighter jet pilot that had, uh, that, that had some wings and it was a remote control thing. And I was like, well, this isn't, this isn't what I asked for. Like, I mean, this isn't what I expected. And all of a sudden, I begin to watch as all of my cousins open up their gifts, and they get exactly what they asked for. And even worse, it gets to my sister. And she got exactly what she asked for. And I went from that smiling kid to all of a sudden be like, the worst Christmas ever. This is terrible. We got to go home right now. Christmas has been messed up, and I am stressed out. I'm bitter. I'm angry. I didn't struggle with greed at all. It's okay. And so here I am just really upset and really disappointed and really frustrated. And I'm going, what in the world is going on? Like, I'm never coming back here. This is a terrible Christmas. And as funny as that story is, I wonder for how many of us, when we hear this idea of good news of great joy, We think, oh man, maybe for everybody else, maybe for the person sitting next to me, maybe for the person to the left of me, maybe for the person in front of me, because life can be stressful sometimes. And buried beneath the good news of great joy, um, buried beneath the bad news that we can often live in is the good news of great joy. In fact, 88% of people would actually say that Christmas is the most stressful time of the year. Some would say because of um, just financial strain, Some, like me, would say because of the fear of buying the wrong gift for someone. Some would say because of relationships. Many of you, you're here this morning, and you hear this idea of good news, of great joy. 
And the truth of your situation is that it's filled with mess and stress. You're going, good news of great joy? I don't feel that way. I'm walking through a season of heartbreak, or I'm walking through a, 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 a relationship that's going wrong, or I'm walking through a job situation that's unclear or frustrating, or a boss that just for some reason won't stay off of my case. You're walking through a season of mess and stress, and you're going, good news of great joy for everybody else, but not me. Then the good news for all of us is that the Christmas message actually came in the middle of mess and stress. The Christmas message didn't come in the middle of everything being perfect. The Christmas message didn't come in the middle of everything being okay. The Christmas message didn't come in the middle of everything being favorable relationally or um, from a circumstance. The Christmas message came in the middle of mess and stress. And the good news for us is that no matter where we're at this morning, maybe we've got some joy in our lives, maybe we've got some happiness in our lives, we all have a little bit of mess and stress. So the Christmas message of good news of great joy didn't come in the middle of circumstances being perfect. It came in the middle of mess and stress. And I want us to look at a passage that we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks of the announcement of the Son of God being born to us, found in Luke chapter 2. Would you guys go ahead and turn there with me? You can open up your tablets or your Bible. Um, maybe it's on your phone, wherever it is. And I want you guys to just read this with me. And here's what it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So how do we know that the Christmas story came in the middle of mess and stress? Well, I want to help us discover that this morning. We see in Luke's um, description of the Christmas story, some of the things I'm going to talk about, but we also see them in Matthew's account as well. But I want you guys to think about the characters that are in the Christmas story. This isn't a comprehensive list, but it is a list of some of them. The first one is the shepherds who the angel appeared to to give the message of good news and great joy. Now, a lot of times when we hear the word shepherd, um, when we've been following Jesus for some time, maybe we think about Jesus being a shepherd. Maybe we think about some of the shepherds that we see in Scripture. But in that day, in that society, shepherds were actually people who were looked down upon oftentimes in society. In fact, they would have been seen as unclean clean, unfit to go into the temple because of what they actually did. They were also seen as um, low-skilled labor. They were seen as people who didn't make a lot, who were poor, who were dirty, who were messy. And let's just be honest, they were working with sheep, so they were probably smelly. 
So all of these things are things that the shepherds would have been experiencing. They would have been the, oftentimes the outcasts of their culture and their society. Then you also have Mary and Joseph. And I like to think about Mary and Joseph and think about what Mary must have been experiencing when she found out that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. I mean, that, that's really hard to understand, right? That's one of those things you're like, wait, what just happened? And then you think about Joseph finding out that Mary was pregnant with the Holy Spirit, her fiance, and being like, wait, wait, what? And wanting to leave and then an angel of the Lord appearing to him and saying, no, you need to stay. Now, I don't know about you, but I, sometimes I like to read the Bible and kind of put myself in it and think through it with my imagination and think about some of the conversations that they must have had. Can you imagine on their way to Bethlehem, Joseph's like, let's go this way. And Mary's like, are you kidding me? You're actually here just because the angel said to me. It's a little awkward. See, the characters were in the middle of a mess, were in the middle of mess and stress. But it's not just the characters, it's also the scene. See, the Christmas message came in the middle of tax season. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't experience a lot of joy in the middle of tax season. In fact, this year when you're doing your taxes, I want you to think Christmas happened in this season and see what it does. Just try it. When you're looking for that last receipt that you can't find for that deduction, just try that with me. We also know that in Matthew's account that um, King Herod has set out a decree after Jesus is born that all, um, all children two years old and under were going to be killed and murdered. And so we see that Mary and Joseph are running for their lives. They're broke, running for their lives. See, the Christmas message came in the middle of mess and stress. But can I tell you that the Christmas message of good news and great joy came in the middle of that mess and stress, which is great for us because it's telling us that good news of great joy is available for all people in all circumstances. Not some circumstances, not occasional circumstances, but the good news of great joy is available in the middle of your mess and my mess and your stress and my stress. So why? Why is that, that the good news of great joy is available to all people in all circumstances? Well, it simply has to do with what joy is. You see, a lot of times in our culture, we talk about happiness, and happiness is actually an idea that isn't really found in the Bible. It's something that we have in our society, in our culture, and happiness is completely dependent on happenstance. It's completely dependent on what happens in your life completely dependent on what happens in your relationships, completely dependent on what's happening around you, what's happening in your workplace, what's happening in your family. But the good news is that joy actually isn't dependent on happiness. Joy is actually dependent on what has happened for you and what is happening in you and what God is orchestrating on your behalf. See, joy is a gift from the Holy Spirit that allows us to have confidence in all circumstances, in all situations, that God is working on our behalf for our good and His glory. And because of that, regardless of what's happening, regardless of the mess and the stress, we can rejoice in all of those situations. In fact, we know that in Galatians 5, it tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Why is that? Because one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is going to 
be to continually point us back to what Jesus has done for us. Continually point us back to the good news, even in the midst of bad news. In fact, I want us to go back to the Luke chapter 2 passage. And I want you guys to read, I want you guys to look at this. But as you look at it, I want you to circle a word for me. And it's a word that's highlighted up here. And it's the word behold. So if you got your Bible, circle it. If you're reading on a tablet, don't use a pen to circle it. I don't, I don't want you to blame me for that. So just circle behold. Behold's kind of one of those weird words because we don't really use it a lot in our um, vernacular. It's not something that you use a lot in your everyday conversation. Behold simply means to look at to give your attention to. Maybe you've been in conversation with someone um, recently, maybe it was your spouse, maybe it was your kids, and you just simply said these words when you're in conversation. I, I do this sometimes. I'll go, hey, look at me. Pay attention to me. See me. See what I'm saying. In fact, growing up, I played some sports, and I would always hear this, bacon, look at me from my coach. This is a moment when the angel's actually saying, behold, look at me. Behold. It's a weird word that we don't always use. In fact, I want you to do this, and I want to bring it into our vernacular on an everyday basis. This year, all of the men in the room, when you get ready for Christmas Eve, and instead of walking into the room and saying, hey, I would say it this way. I say, hey, baby, does this, does this outfit look good? I want you to walk into the room and try this. I want you to walk into the room and go, behold. <laughs> and let's just see how that works for you. If, if, if your wife is anything like my wife, she's going to go, get out of here. <laughs> See, behold is one of those weird words, but ultimately what the angel was saying was, look at this, this great news that produces, this good news that produces great joy. So behold is one of those words that's so important for us to get and to not read over because what you behold actually holds on to you. That's why bad news can change everything about us. When we get bad news, it can hold on to us. Then it begins to change our attitude. It begins to change our outlook. It begins to change what we see. What we behold has a way of holding on to us. But this passage is speaking to us today and saying, guess what? In the middle of your mess and your stress, you can behold good news of great joy. In the middle of a job loss, you can behold good news of great joy. In the middle of a breakup, you can behold good news of great joy. In the middle of relationships not going the way that you hoped that they would go, you can behold good news of great joy. Because this passage teaches us that when we behold Jesus, you experience joy. Here's what I've found. As I behold Jesus, you know what I figure out? As I behold Jesus, I realize that Jesus is actually holding me. The reason why we can have joy in the middle of mess and stress is because as we behold him, we realize that even in the middle of our mess and even in the middle of our stress, he's holding us. See, the why we can have joy in the middle of mess and stress is because joy is supernatural. In fact, the, the book of the Bible that talks the most about joy is in the book of Philippians. 
And Paul writes it as he's in prison. But the how we can have joy in the middle of mess and stress is by beholding Jesus. Now, how do we do that practically? Because that can be one of those things that we hear and we go like, I don't know how this is going to work. Like, and how do I do that? I want to walk us through some choices we can make that help us behold Jesus in the middle of mess and stress. The first one is, and it seems so simplistic, but I want you guys to follow along with me. Knowing Jesus personally. So Pastor David last week did an amazing job of talking about knowing Jesus as our Savior. But did you know that that Jesus didn't just come to be our Savior, he came to be our shepherd? He didn't just come to rescue us, he came to show us the way. In fact, in Psalm 1611, it says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In other words, We don't just get to know Jesus as Savior, we get to know him as shepherd. Now, the reason why that's so important is because Jesus comes to show us how to live in the middle of mess and stress. He comes to show us how to follow him in the middle of the mess and the stress of living in a broken world. And whenever you see Jesus say, you should live this way instead of living this way, he's not doing it to restrict our joy. He's actually doing it to restore our joy. And so one of the reasons why sometimes we don't behold Jesus in a way that produces joy in us is because perhaps there's an area of our lives that we haven't patterned our lives after the way that he lived his. Maybe it's negativity or maybe it's bitterness or maybe there's a relationship in your life that you really just need to settle and say, man, I'm going to give forgiveness away or I'm going to ask for forgiveness. Maybe it has to do with generosity. And instead of being generous, you've been holding back the things that God has actually called you to be generous with. See, Jesus came to show us the way so we could experience an abundant life, so we can experience not some joy, but the fullness of joy. It isn't just about knowing Jesus personally and knowing him as Savior and Shepherd, but it's, it's also, we've also got to make a choice to trust Jesus daily. We've got to make a choice to go, man, I know that in all circumstances, in all situations, God is good. In fact, 1 Peter, which was written in, the, in, which was written in a time of unbelievable persecution, 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9, simply says this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 1.20, it tells us that all of the promises of God, listen to this, not some of the promises of God, not a couple of the promises of God, but all of the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 tells us that because of what Jesus did for us, we can know with confidence that he will work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. See, we can have confidence in our daily lives that God is working all things out even in the middle of your mess and your stress. One of the ways that I do this practically is when I'm experiencing seasons of worry or seasons of anxiety or seasons of high stress or maybe even just self-doubt about myself. So I'm experiencing what I would call some identity issues. I'll, I'll actually write down on one side of a paper all of the stresses that I'm feeling or all of the lies that I'm believing. I'll write those down. 
I'll just say, hey, Chris, what right now is actually causing you stress or worry? What right now is causing you insecurity? And I write those things down on one side of the paper. Sometimes if I'm in a place where I can't write anything down, I'll do it on my phone. I'll put a note in my note section of my phone. I'll write those things down. And then what I'll do is, I'll, on the other side of that, I'll begin to write the promises of God. I'll begin to write what God says about me. I'll begin to write what God says about my situation so I can be reminded in the middle of my mess and my stress of who God is and what God is doing. See, we can trust Jesus daily. It's not this ambiguous idea because we know what Jesus has done for us is actually fact. It has happened and it is happening. The third practice that we can have, the third choice we can make is to share Jesus, share Jesus regularly. And Philemon just says this, and I love this verse because it speaks to us this morning of one of the choices we can make to behold Jesus is to share him. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. What this passage is saying is that there's this direct connection to us sharing and us understanding what God is doing in us. And if we want to experience fully beholding the work of Jesus, one of the choices we must make is to actually share the story of what God is doing in us and what God is doing through us. And that may seem weird, but I want to use a story to help illustrate that this morning that actually comes from the most happiest place on earth, the magic kingdom. Now, I need to tell you something. I, I lived in Orlando, and then I moved away to northwest Arkansas for a couple of years. And when I was in northwest Arkansas, I kept saying, God, if you ever send me back to Orlando, I am going to appreciate Disney the way that I should appreciate Disney. I'm going to appreciate the Magic Kingdom the way I should have appreciated it the first time. And you, you may think that's weird, but when you're in Arkansas and you're trying to figure out what to do for a date night, and you've got two options, the movies or Walmart, you begin to appreciate the magic kingdom on a whole nother level. So when I moved back, my wife and I, we were like, man, we're, we're going all out Disney. We're going to be the people that have the passes. We're going to go every chance that we get. We're going to eat all the food. We're going to Instagram about how much we love the magic kingdom. About a year into that, it was going great. And my, my newfound appreciation for the magic kingdom was going in the right direction. Year two, it was really good. And then year three hit and something started to happen. The, I, I began to look at the magic kingdom as the saddest place on earth. Hey, hey, I don't need any amens on that, okay? <laughs> I begin to go, oh, I've got to go to the Magic Kingdom. The lines. The lines. It's so hot. I can only ride It's a Small World so many times. I get it. It's small. And then something happened. My sister called me and she said, hey, I'm bringing your nephews to Disney World. Will you come with me? And I was like, do I have to? And she went, yes, yes. Like, it will be fun. Like, you can come. It will be a nice bonding time for you and your nephews. And I was like, okay, I'll come. But the lines and the heat. And so they show up and we go to the Magic Kingdom. And this is me with my um, 
This is me with my nephew, Grayson. Um, and I, I need to tell you something. We get there and Grayson's like, oh my gosh, it's Mickey. It's Mickey. It's Buzz Lightyear. And he's so excited about everything. And I'm like, oh, it's Mickey. It's Buzz Lightyear. It's a small world for the one millionth time. And as we're there experiencing Magic Kingdom, it comes time for the parade. And all of a sudden, I've been watching the Magic Kingdom through his eyes all day. And the parade happens, and Mickey comes by. And, and I look at myself. I, I see myself in that moment, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, it's Mickey. Oh, my gosh, it's Mickey. Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. What, what happened was this, is I begin to see the Magic Kingdom through his eyes as he experienced it for the first time. And the joy he had, listen, listen, the joy he had reminded me of the joy I used to have. Perhaps, perhaps, the Christmas story is one that is no longer personal for you. Perhaps you quit beholding the unbelievable truth that the Magnificent would come and place himself in a manger so he could have a relationship with you, so he could have a relationship with me, so I could know him personally, so I could trust him daily, and so I could share him regularly. Now, I want you guys to, to come back with me to the beginning of the story. You know the one where I was greedy and just absolutely horrible. So what seemed like Two hours had went by, and I've watched all of my cousins get everything they wanted, and I'm sitting there still pouting, sitting on the chair going like, do we have to stay here? This is terrible. Worst Christmas ever. Still going along that, that path. And, and something happens. Out of the corner of my eye, I see my grandpa walk in from the back door with not a box that's that big, but actually a box that's about that big. You know, the type of box that might be able to fit one of these. The best Christmas ever, five in one, fun in a box. I don't need friends anymore. This, and he comes walking in with that. And can I tell you something? The anticipation for that gift, the the mess and the stress that I was experiencing in that moment because of expectations that didn't line up with reality, it went away, but not because of the gift. I wasn't beholding the five-in-one fun-in-a-box for long. You know what I began beholding? Was the faithfulness of my grandparents. The fact that I just have to be honest, if I could go back and if I was them, I probably would have just left a gift in the garage after the way that I acted. The fact that my grandparents come rolling out and they didn't just give me one gift, they gave me two gifts. And in the middle of my mess and stress, I knew in that moment that my grandparents held nothing back for me. See, the reason why you and I can experience joy in the middle of mess and stress It's because Christmas reminds us that God has held nothing back from us. And maybe you're here today and you're like, 
you're like me on Christmas Eve and your life is not going the way you want and your attitude hasn't been that great. And what I would say to you is, even in the middle of your mess and stress, God holds nothing back from you. So this morning as we conclude, I just wanna leave you with this. See, that, that story entertains you, but it changes me. Good stories entertain us, but personal stories change us. And the question I would ask is, is the Christmas story personal to you? Or has it just become something that entertains you? Has it just become something that maybe you celebrate, but it's no longer personal? See, the Christmas story was not sent to us for entertainment. It was sent to us to be personal because personal stories change us. I never showed up to Christmas again with a list because it changed me. Because in the middle of my mess and stress, I beheld the faithfulness. And in the middle of your mess and stress, I just want to beg you to behold the faithfulness of God. If you're here today and maybe you've been following Jesus for a really long time, maybe you've heard the Christmas story over and over and over again, I want to challenge you with this. Is it, is it personal anymore? And if it isn't personal, I want to give you some practical things you can do to make it personal in your life. I actually did this this week for myself. I, I wrote down the feeling that I had the first Christmas when I realized that Jesus wasn't just part of the story, but Jesus was a Savior who came for me. And I wrote down the feeling that I had that first Christmas when I realized that for the first time. The second thing I would, I would ask you to do is to tell someone, maybe gather some family. And the third one is simply this. I would ask you, to tell someone in your neighborhood, your network, your workplace. One of the ways we can behold how personal it is is to tell someone else why it's personal to us. You realize that Christmas is a time that all of the people who don't attend church actually will attend church. It's a, it's a time they're most likely to attend a church service. It's a time they're most likely to come to church. Maybe it's inviting them to the Christmas festival and allowing them to experience why Christmas is so special to you. Also, if you're here today and you would say that you've never experienced Jesus as your Savior, then the truth for you is that the Christmas story really is just entertaining. And it may produce some moments of happiness, but it can't produce the joy that it was meant to produce in you. Because personal stories change us. Good stories entertain us. And perhaps that's you today. I would encourage you if you're here or if you're watching online, um, if you're here in person, you can actually go to one of our lobbies and just say, hey, I want to hear more about how I can have a personal relationship with Jesus. If you're watching online, you can let someone in the chat know that you would love to talk more about what it means to follow Jesus and have a relationship with him. I'm going to ask now that we would all pray. And here's what I want us to pray. With every one of us with our heads bowed, I simply want us to pray this simple prayer this morning. And it goes like this. God, would you help me behold what Jesus has done for me in the middle of my mess and my stress because I want to have joy in the middle of whatever I'm walking through. 
Would you help me behold that? Would you help me look at that? Instead of looking at all of the bad news that might be around me, it's in your perfect and your precious name we pray, the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.